Hey guys, welcome to Monday's Musings. This is uh, episode three, and today we are going to be talking with Andrew Finsauce about relying on God. So, uh, without any further ado, I'm Isaac D2, and this is my guest, Andrew Finsauce. Um, so, Andrew, let's start off by having you um, just basically summarize your life in like three to four points, so that way people can kind of know where you're coming from. All right. Well, I uh, was born in Michigan. Shortly after, moved to Papua New Guinea. Um, yeah, basically spent 14 years there. My dad was a missionary pilot. We lived on a small mission base with about 50 other families. And yeah, after after that, moved back for high school back in Michigan. And then after that, came to Cedarville shortly after that. So, Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So um, you basically were raised in Papua New Guinea most of your life at this point. Um, can you explain a little bit of like the differences in the culture in Papua New Guinea compared to here in America? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, a lot of the differences um, stem from, for one, uh, Papua New Guinea is a third world country, so that alone leads to a lot of differences, a lot of poverty there that we just don't see as much here in America. Um, Food-wise, the fruits were amazing, uh, but the rest of the food was not the best quality. You definitely get sick pretty frequently because of that. Um, yeah, lots of diverse tribes too, which made it hard for, uh, the missionaries to get in. So a lot of times, like my dad being a missionary pilot was often flying the helicopter into the tribes and yeah, 850 different languages total. So it definitely makes it pretty hard to, you can't just go from one tribe to the next and expect to just pick up where you left off. You kind of have to start fresh and get to know the language and the people and the culture too. So a lot of like separate cultures, even within the culture of Papua New Guinea. Weather was beautiful. Year-round was pretty much 70 to 80 degrees. That's awesome. Just kind of had like a a rainy season and a dry season compared to the four seasons. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, So like did your family live in a more poverty area or like being missionaries there, were you guys like separate and then you would like go into the areas to minister to people? Yeah. So like I said, my dad would fly into the tribes a lot. and we basically were 15 minutes away from one of the major cities. Okay. Um, so we'd frequently see the poverty, but we ourselves were on a mission base where we pretty much had a lot of the supplies that we needed. There was a grocery store there, a clinic right on the base, um, yeah, a school that my sister and I went to. Um, so it's kind of like our own little bubble. Um, in a lot of ways, kind of like Cedarville, just not quite as big, and it was just missionary families instead of college students. But... Um, in a lot of ways, we were pretty isolated um, until we'd go outside of those gates and into the impoverished world around us there. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so then, like, daily life, what did that look like? You, you said your dad flew into the places. Was that something that you and your siblings, like, went with him to, or you guys stay back at the base, or how'd that work exactly? Yeah, so most times we would just stay on the base and kind of go about life um, pretty similarly to people here going to school every day, playing with my friends after uh, after school was done. And occasionally when it would work out, uh, I'd get to fly with my dad, and he'd, he'd oh, take yeah. us into the tribes. And I remember one Christmas we got to go into, um, it, was, it was a pretty far away tribe off in um, New Britain, which was the major island that wasn't part of the mainland. Okay. Um, so we got to go way off there for about a week, and spend Christmas with the missionaries, which was a really neat experience. So I got to see the other cultures around me, but 
on a day-to-day basis, I was more so kind of like, again, like I said, in the bubble that wasn't really part of my daily routine like it was for my dad. So gotcha. when it worked out, he'd take me, but for the most part, I'd still be on the mission base. Okay. Um, and so being like surrounded by missionaries, were you, when did you get saved? Um, I was saved, I would say about six years old. I can't remember six exactly okay. the day, but um, yeah, my dad would have daily devotions with us um, every night after he'd get back from a long day of flying. And I definitely remember um, at different times where you'd be sitting on the couch and going through, well, we'd, we kind of walked through the whole the whole Bible in a simplified way as well. But um, I definitely remember hearing the gospel a lot as a kid and um, it was the reality of hell that was is kind of the first, okay. first, uh, uh, I guess, grab my attention in that way, rather than the benefits of knowing Christ that I've come to appreciate later on. Okay, um, so you're surrounded by uh, missionary people, and you're saved from the time you're young. Is that mm-hmm. something? At what age, roughly, would you say that you like start to become your own? Christian, if that makes sense, versus mm. like following your parents or just the culture that you were surrounded by. Yeah, so I definitely think there's a few things along the way um, with my journey that kind of um, sparked a lot of growth in me. Um, for instance, like after our time in PNG, um, when Papua I was 14 year olds, Papua New Guinea, yeah, I have to clarify. <laughs> um, after our time in Papua New Guinea, um, it was really kind of a, a sad thing having to leave. And that was. Mm. Um, hard for my parents. They knew that this was the home for my sister and I, and um, it wasn't an easy decision. But having to leave, there was a lot of ways that we just weren't prepared for the future. And I think in a lot of ways, seeing the way that my parents trusted the Lord through that uh, was a huge example to me through that. Okay. Um, and even though they were the ones making the decisions, that was kind of, I think, the first step of actually having to trust the Lord in a situation that wasn't just within my own comfort, um, comfort zone. Um, I think more so than that, leaving, um, well, in a way, leaving high school, leaving high school and and going to college, even though it was a much better environment, I went to a public school. Um, so coming here was definitely just such a blessing, but then being away from my family, which was really the only thing I had other than God, of course, but, um, for many years, you know, leaving, leaving my home and then coming to, coming back to Michigan, yeah. um, seemed like the only thing I had was my family. So then that was kind of an adjustment period of, of getting used to not being around my family, um, once at college. So I think right. that was kind of the first part of my individual trusting the Lord and not just being in my parents' home and trusting them, mm-hmm. um, or trusting the Lord alongside them. I would I would say that. Yeah. Um, so being, in, back in Papua New Guinea, like, what would you say, like, the biggest challenge or, like, time that you had to be, like, faithful to God or, like, relying on Him? I honestly can't think of a, a whole lot of instances where, when I was younger, where I had to I had to trust the Lord. I remember seeing the example of my parents a lot as a kid mm. um, and kind of just walking in obedience with that. And, um, I mean, it, being in a a missionary bubble too with a lot of other missionary kids going to school. Right. Um, there wasn't really a whole lot of instances where, um, I was going against the grain like I had to in high school. Um, and yeah, I'm very, very grateful for the experiences I had in Papua New Guinea, but, um, a lot of it was just in a sense getting to learn and grow for myself, but also 
seeing the examples of others around me and yeah, allowing that to, to help me in the future for seeing the pattern that my parents had uh, with trusting the Lord. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause like even looking back at my life, like I would describe like my life as being easy. Like I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up mm-hmm. in America. I went to a small Christian school. I went to church every week. Um, the place my dad worked was worked at was like a Christian TV station. So like everything in my life was like centered around Christ. I was like in that Christian bubble, like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, And so looking back, like in my younger years, there was, I can't really think of a specific example or like any time necessarily where I was, had to trust in God or rely on him. Um, I got saved when I was like four roughly. Um, But like you were saying, like it's a lot to do with just following what my parents had been doing and so there's never this time where I had to do it for myself until I was moving away to college and was like oh okay I can't just rely on my parents anymore mm-hmm. um yeah transitioning for you transitioning from Papua New Guinea um into a high school did you go to a public school when you came yes to? yeah okay. it was kind of a rural public school but okay. yeah definitely can you school. describe that like transition a little bit for us yeah for sure it was uh Definitely the biggest uh, transition up until that point. Obviously, like I said, growing up in Papua New Guinea it was just like that was my home. So I didn't I didn't have to transition into that culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely a huge culture shock coming back to Michigan. Um, I think for the first time in my life, I was being surrounded by more unbelievers than believers, um, which again was a huge blessing to have that to begin with, with being surrounded by so many believers. Um, but yeah, as far as like the language that was being, you know, used so frequently around high school is just, uh, yeah, I felt like my ears were bleeding in a way. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I had to get used to that. Um, and at the same time, kind of finding, finding a balance of, okay, I can, I can be a light and an example in this environment, but I need to, at, at the same time, attention of not being judgmental and not falling onto like, oh, I'm, I'm different and I need to like keep to myself, but also not getting pulled into the kind of activities that um, were just so foreign to me, but also like so prevalent. Um, yeah, so many, so many things in public school were there, just so foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully, I, I never did get pulled into any of that. And um, I, I credit a lot of that to um, just the constant influence of my parents too. I'd, I'd get to come home from from a long day of, of classes and just get to talk about that with my parents. And I, I think that helped make it a little bit more normal rather than, um, and, and just the openness that they, they allowed me to have too. Um, it, it didn't make it weird to just talk about things like, yeah, I, um, I saw this today or these kids were doing something that I, yeah, I didn't agree with. And then we could talk about it and, and talk about it in a biblical way too. Um, which, yeah, again, I think that helped me to not get so pulled into that. Um, it was more so a struggle for me to, I think, I definitely, I think I definitely got the impression from other kids that I was just, you know, a goody two shoes and better than them. And as much as I didn't want that to be the view on me, I knew that in some ways I couldn't necessarily control that just because they're like, well, why don't you swear? Why don't you, you know, vape or drink or any of this? I'm like, I just don't have a desire to. And yeah, so a lot of that comes from your background of being in the missionary culture in Mm -hmm. Papua New Guinea. Um, is that something like in high school, was there ever a time or people that you had like 
talked to explicitly, like, shared the gospel with, or was it more so just, like, they saw God through you because of your being different, of your different mm. background of them? Yeah, I think it'd definitely be a little bit of both. Um, I think initially people recognized that I was different <laughs> for, for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> uh, being such a sheltered kid as a, you know, as a missionary kid, I, I think I stood out in that regard and by the things that I didn't participate in or um, I, I think I was definitely uh, very socially awkward too for the first little bit of high okay. school. So I stood out in that regard. Um, but I think because of some of that, it did bridge into some conversations and um, I can't think of any instances where, um, where I led anyone to the Lord, um, but it definitely sparked people's curiosity. Um, one of my good friends in high school, he's, um, practically he's an atheist. Uh, he would okay. identify as a Catholic. And so I had definitely had some opportunities to have some good conversations with him, um, talking about how Christianity is based upon grace and faith and not, not works like the the Catholics would believe. Right. And so there was definitely a lot of conversations like that. Um, another kid in high school um, who was gay, I got to have some conversations with him too. And um, often he was kind of isolated and made fun of, um, which is not always the case in public schools. A lot of times right. it's more celebrated. Um, so yeah, I guess going along with that, there there wasn't necessarily a lot of the the LGBTQ community, it, although it did grow, um, but because of it being a conservative school, that was more so, I guess, like the butt end of jokes was uh, what a lot of that ended up being. Um, so I guess getting to, um, again, like not condoning it, but um, showing him love in spite of that. And he knew that I, I didn't agree with his lifestyle, but he felt comfortable to still talk to me. And yeah, I, I think a lot of kids like that get shut down pretty quick, especially mm -hmm. from Christians. And I think that can quickly get a bad rap. It's, again, kind of a fine balance of not like, oh, you know, I, I accept you and condone all your actions, but at the same time, showing the love of Christ. And um, yeah, you never know where that can lead. And, and he can, Christ can certainly change their heart. And yeah, so I guess those are a few, few instances yeah. of that. Just sort of like planting the seeds, you know, rather mm -hmm. than letting or letting the Holy Spirit do the work of uh, transforming their hearts, but you were the one that was planting the seeds, and hopefully one day that other people will be able to do that for them as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like me going to a Christian high school, there was never anything, like, bad that happened, but there was, there was definitely, like, instances where things that were happening I wouldn't necessarily agree with or do mm -hmm. myself, and so... Um, even in the Christian school, that was something that I also was able to stand out a little bit with, um, probably definitely not to the same extent that you were, um, and sharing that, but, um, yeah, it's definitely interesting how just growing up in a different culture, you can stand out and not even because you mean to, it, but it's just because of the way you were raised and right. the faith that you have. Um, so then going from a public high school into a Christian college, um, do you feel like you still are like standing out for the faith in that aspect? Or is that something, obviously it's probably diminished a little bit, but do you think there's still aspects here at college um, where you feel different, if that makes sense? Yeah, I think initially I, I felt like I really wasn't going to stand out. And frankly, I was kind of okay with that. I, it yeah. felt 
in a way exhausting four years of, of public school that I was, you know, constantly one of the few that were, you know, trying to be a light and an example and, um, you know, glorify Christ in that in that way. But, um, I, I definitely came here with an expectation that, you know, everyone was going to be, uh, either where I was at or, you know, even, even more matured in their, in their spiritual walk. Yeah. Um, which is just not a good assumption to have. And I think I quickly realized my freshman year just how broken even Christians are. You know, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. how spiritually mature you are or how far along you are in your faith journey. Um, there's just so many ways that uh, we're all struggling and we're all seeking to grow in sanctification. And, um, yeah, just getting to see that a little bit firsthand and um, just the different backgrounds that a lot of Christians come from uh, was very eye-opening. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if there was necessarily tons of opportunities right off the bat, other than just getting to understand, have that understanding initially. Um, but I definitely feel like as, as time's gone on and, um, now being an upperclassman and an RA, I think that's definitely given me more opportunities to speak truth and light into, into people's lives. And, um, not that I didn't have that opportunity before, but there's just more of that as you get to know more people and, Right. Um, and on a deeper level, too, I think that that definitely helps, too. Yeah. So. Being surrounded, coming into college, your whole life, basically, you've been with your parents. and Your parents have been caring for you and doing things for you. And it's not necessarily that there's anything more that they can do. It's just like you're thrown into college and you're like, oh, I don't have parents anymore. I have to figure out things on my own. So that's definitely a big transition where it's just like going from having somebody taking care of you into this time of life where for the rest of your life, basically, you're not going to have somebody above you that has to, you have to filter your decisions through and Mm. do things with. And that's also the first time where a lot of people coming into a Christian college um, experience their faith for the first time and they have to not rely on their parents' faith, um, and they have to do it on their own. And so it's definitely a lot of different experiences that all come together at mm-hmm. a college, and so you can't start to see that. Even though we are all coming to a Christian college, people handle change a lot differently. And so just being able to see how different people handle that change and how um, we can be a minister to them and just kind of see how broken that people are, like you were saying, um, mm-hmm. is just crazy to think because you go to a Christian college and you're like, oh yeah, everybody's like got their life together. You know, everything's great. But the more you get to know people on a deeper level, especially as you've been here for longer and build those friendships, the more you realize like, oh, this person doesn't, uh, doesn't have their life together. And so that's definitely something that, um, like there's been so many more examples in the past, like year and a half of my life that I've been in college where I've been able to see the, the need and my reliance of God in order to help me get through these circumstances and just to mm-hmm. use him and his mind to speak into me so that way I can help speak that speak life into other people. Um, it's just a super cool experience uh, to have. So are there any like tips or tricks or any little thing, pieces of advice that you would give to other college students, specifically those going into uh, Christian college or who are already in a Christian college? Um, on just, like, how to rely on God better. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely have it all figured out now, so that's a great way to segue into that. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, I certainly don't. I think that's, actually, that's interesting, because it's like, 
the more I've gone along, I think the more I've realized I don't have it all figured out. Um, I think a huge part of what, yeah, one thing we were talking about this summer um, was just like embracing your neediness. And rather than like just embracing your neediness, like embracing Christ in the midst of your neediness. Mm. Um, and I definitely think each semester that I've been here, that truth is really taken on a whole new meaning. Um, I mean, the first semester of college, it's like everything's so new. You're getting used to not being with your parents and um, both the freedom that comes with that, but also the challenges that, yeah, you're having to kind of make your faith your own in a way and um, trust God for yourself and not just following the example of your parents. And um, there's definitely a transition with that. But I think each semester I've learned, like, I have no idea even what this semester is going to hold. I come in with these ex expectations and a lot of times they <laughs> completely get shattered, yeah. um, but in the best possible way. Um, cause yeah, certainly if, if my plan was coming true, then I, I wouldn't be trusting God as much or, or growing as much in my faith. Cause yeah, when, when life is going right, there's not as much need to, to trust God. We certainly still should, but I think the, the changes and the trials of this life are, are really what sparked that growth in us. So, um, yeah, I guess it's just been a journey each, each semester along the way. Um, I mean, last year I, I had no idea if I was even going to stay in the same major and a lot of that was in jeopardy. And, um, I think when, when things are really in question and uncertain in your life, I think that's really when it turns your attention more to the Lord, uh, if, if you allow at least, um, which isn't always an easy thing, but, uh, I think when we do that, we recognize, okay, well, why is this thing in my life, whether it be a major change or, or whatever it may be, an adjustment in your life, it's making me realize, like, well, how much weight am I really putting into this if it's rocking my world this much? And right. if it is, then I'm putting more identity in, like, for, for myself, like, uh, my future being a nurse. Like, why am I holding on to that so tightly when I don't know if that's going to pan out? I need to trust God each step along the way and work hard. But um, I think that's definitely been a thing of, like, yeah, I can say that my identity, my identity is in Christ, but uh, is that actually being shown in a day-to-day -day basis? Um, yeah. And it's just something we have to keep coming back to really each day. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because um, you and I were talking over the summer about different ways that we were expecting <clears throat> this semester to go. Um, and now that we're most of the way done with the semester, it's, it's gone not like that for either of us. Um, right out the window. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just having that recognition of like, God is, if we continue to trust in him and just let him do his will, our lives will probably be different than what we plan, but that's okay because God's mind is uh, infinite and ours is finite. And so mm -hmm. our plans and what we want to happen, it's good to have those mindsets going in, but it's also good to realize going through it, like, our way isn't necessarily the best way. We don't know everything that's going to happen. Um, and there's a lot more variables at play that we don't even know about. That only God knows about. And it's only by allowing him to work through us that we are able to see that. Um, I think practically just like the biggest tip for me is just like spending time in the word and in prayer every mm. day, every morning. Um, I know that's a habit that I've been getting or that I have been in 
the most of this semester now and um it's just been super cool just like i can definitely tell the days where i have spent time in the morning in god's word and the times i haven't uh just recently um I missed my morning devotional and then like later in the day something was happening and I just like could not focus at all. And so I, right after that was finished, I was like, okay, I just need to do my devotional. This is not, this is not working. I need to be able to focus on what's going on. Mm. And it was crazy to see like how much of my life I'm now putting into relying on God. And um, like I've had people tell me like that they can see that in me, which is super encouraging. And I can see it in the people who also do the same thing. And you can just sort of start to see this divide the more that you're in it um, of people who spend time in God's word every day and people who don't. And so it just kind of shows you examples of people that you need to go minister to if you are. And if you're not, then try to try to do that. Um, so, yeah, I'd say mm. that's my biggest tip, practical tip of how to uh, to best rely on God and be willing to just work with the changes that you don't see coming. But god has had planned for however long now so right yeah trusting his sovereignty is a is a huge part and like i like you said like being in the word that's the way that we're gonna of course we talk to god through prayer but that's the way that we're gonna hear him Mm -hmm. um but yeah like trusting his sovereignty in the midst like just because it doesn't go our way it's not like it took god by surprise just because it took us by surprise like that was in his plan all along since the since the beginning of creation like that it's comforting to know that even if it doesn't help us right in the moment, but to keep reminding ourselves of that, like, okay, he's still sovereign. This is the best plan for my life that he sees fit and I can trust that. So, yeah. Um, you mentioned something earlier that I meant to comment on about it's harder to trust God when life is going good and a lot easier when you're going through the trials. Mm. Um, and it reminds me of the story of Gideon where like the Israelites, Gideon was gathering an army and he was going to go fight the Midianites and God kept telling him like no that's not enough or that's too many people to fight and he went Mm -hmm. eventually whittled down Gideon's army to 300 men versus the however many thousands of Midianites and um, Gideon's army was still able to win but the reason that God had done that was because he was like if you win with these many people you're going to put the boasting in yourself Mm -hmm. Um, and so just like even when life is going well, you need to recognize that because it's because of God that he has made your life circumstances go well. Um, and so just thanking him and praising him through that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, one last question for you before we end off. Um, this is a surprise question. I didn't tell you this one before. But ooh, uh, all right. Um, <laughs> what is your earliest memory, like ever, and how old were you for that memory? Earliest memory. Um, I can think of a handful of the early years in Papua New Guinea. Um, let's see, which one should I go with? Well, uh, we'll go with a wholesome one. How about this? All right. Um, so my dad made this really cool swing, um, that was like a little helicopter, um, cockpit. Oh. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, I outgrew it pretty quick, but it was really fun because I had like the control panel. And uh, it just tied it up to a tree, and it's way cooler than a tire swing. So <laughs> yeah. there's that. But, yeah, that's, I think, probably one of the earliest I can think of. Okay. Well, yeah. I can't really remember this one, but this one happened before that. I uh, I got a scar right here. 
Oh. So I, I fell off um, some cement steps when I was a child. Yikes. Uh, I don't think it was by choice, but I'm not, I can't <laughs> confirm that. <laughs> I might have been just a dumb little child. Well, I was a dumb little child, but I might have been dumber than I thought. Yeah. So. Intentionally hurting yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I very well could have been. I don't know. But I guess that's all I got Interesting. for Interesting. Okay, how old were you? Do you remember for those? Uh, for that one, I was two or three, I think. Okay. For the swing, it would have been a little bit after that, maybe four or five or six, somewhere in okay. there. Okay, gotcha. I can't go back all the way to the womb. I'm, I'm just not that wow. great of a memory, I guess. Not that good. It's pretty embarrassing. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, thanks for uh, being on the podcast and sharing some of your story today, Andrew. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, Andrew's an awesome guy. One of my good friends uh, went to his house up up to his house this summer and uh, had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's an RA. Super cool guy if you ever get to meet him and know him. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening to this episode of Monday's Musings. I'm the host, Isaac D2, and, uh, yeah, you just experienced a muse. A musing. Thank <laughs> you.